Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church Podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you in worship today, and hello to all of you with us online, worshiping from home or on the road. Uh, Before we dive in, let me remind you we have a congregational meeting following this service. It'll start uh, 10 to 15 minutes after service ends. I invite you to stick around. We're going to uh, express our thanks to those LT and nominating members who are rolling off as they've completed their term um, and also voting on new leadership team and new nominating committee members. So welcome to stick around for that. It's Advent. The word Advent comes from the Latin word meaning arrival or coming into place. And so as believers, we commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ, the first Advent, his incarnation, his coming to earth, and yet he's not a one Advent kind of Messiah. We're also waiting for that next, that second Advent where he is going to return. That is the beauty and tension of Christmas time. We celebrate his birth, yet we also posture our hearts in this sense of longing. We want him to return, another advent. Last week, Pastor Dave preached on hope from Isaiah chapter nine, and if you missed that message, please go listen to it online in our sermon archives so that you can keep up and experience every week of advent with us. Today, We're exploring the gift of peace as it relates to this Christmas narrative. So first, I want us to acknowledge that peace is not the absence of conflict. You've heard this said before. You've probably said it before. Peace is not the absence of conflict. There's a story of a king who offered a generous prize to any artist that could paint a picture that best illustrates peace. And many of his subjects brought in their canvases and entered their painting into this competition. There was one painting that stood out above all the others. Picture a serene lake, a couple of mallard ducks swimming around, A beautiful blue sky with fluffy clouds overhead and the sun was peeking over surrounding snow-capped mountains. I mean, this painting was so stunning that a lot of the other artists were prematurely congratulating the artist, right? This is definitely going to win. It's better than any other painting that's been entered in this competition. However, to everyone's surprise another painting was selected as the winning uh, painting that day. It was also a painting of mountains, but rugged ones, violent rain falling, strong winds blowing. The sky was not blue, it was dark gray, and it was filled with lightning strikes. It's kind of a picture of chaos. It's a picture that we would say is the opposite of peace. But when the artist started to look more closely, 
at the canvas, they noticed that there was a crevice in the rocks. And deep inside that crevice was a bird sitting on her nest, completely safe and untouched from the stormy weather. When you visualize peace, do you see a couple of mallard ducks floating around peacefully on calm waters? Or do you see a bird sitting on a nest, tucked into the crevices of the rock, completely safe and completely untouched from the surrounding storms? If I handed you a paintbrush, a canvas today, and I said, paint a picture, illustrate peace, what would you paint? What does peace look like to you? Scripture paints a picture of peace for us in both the Old and New Testaments. First, and you heard this last week, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700 years later, the birth of the Prince of Peace fulfilled that prophecy. Luke writes in his second chapter, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke 2, 12 through 14. Now let me remind you, when you read Luke 2, 14, it does not say glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth, as if the birth of Christ wrapped our world in this bubble, this harmonious bubble of peace, like Jesus was born and now nothing wrong, nothing evil, nothing harmful, no conflict is ever going to happen again. That's not Luke 2.14. In fact, the world is quite the stage for conflict. The world is a stage for war. I found an article last year stating that the world has been entirely at peace for only 8% of our recorded world history. Meaning, of all of our recorded history as people, nations have been at war with one another 92% of the time. This is sad. I'm gonna call it what it is. This is sad. The heavenly host did not say, Jesus is born, now peace on earth, everything's gonna be peaceful. He says in verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. To those on whom his favor rests means to those with whom God is satisfied, to those with whom God is well pleased, to those with whom God is delighted. Who is God satisfied with? Who is God well pleased? Who, who is God delighted in? Who? 
You. You. His children, his sons, and his daughters. There's not complete peace across our planet because not everyone on this planet has surrendered their life to the Prince of Peace as their Lord and their Savior. That's why this world is at war. That's why we live in a world of conflict. Peace is offered to all, but peace is not received by all. So brothers and sisters in Christ, if this world of war and conflict does not feel like home, it's because it's not supposed to. You're not at home. This is temporary. There's more to come. If this feels like home to you, I'm worried about you. This should not feel like home. Instead, we cling to this promise, Hebrews 13, 14, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. So what do we do here and now in this world of war and conflict? If you're a Christian, you are those that are mentioned in verse 14. Peace to you. See, I can say that because as a Christ follower, you have his peace. Peace to you. I'm going to talk about three, three pieces today. So say this with me. Peace with God Peace with, let's start over. I'm going to try again. And when it comes to preaching and public speaking, sometimes I ask you to say something back or, or say something with me. It's called re-engaging people who are bored with my sermon. I'm just, I'm trying to hook you right now and get you to check back in. Are you ready? It's going to be on the screen. And look how well I match. That's how intentional we are about ministry here at Redeemer. (laughs) Nice and loud with me. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others, peace. Number one, peace with God. Prior to salvation, I hear people say all the time that a non-Christian is somebody who is lost, right? We even sing those lyrics. I once was lost, right? But now I'm found. Or I've heard them called unsaved, unchristian, non-believer, unchurched, all these different terms for those who do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, those who have not yielded their life to him. But my friends, you must know that prior to your salvation, it's more than just lostness, you were God's enemy, And you may be thinking, well, I never woke up and thought, I'm really going to give God a, you know. No, it's our sin. It's that separation from the holiness of God prior to the righteousness of Christ being our new identity. We were God's enemy. Romans 5.10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? The word here implies hatred and hostility. Do you know why we have peace today? Because on the spiritual battlefield that is a real thing, we are not God's adversaries. We're with him and he is with us. 
That should be enough peace to get you through this day. God is with you. We are with him. When he saved me, he stopped me on this path of self-destruction that I was on, and he adopted me into his family, made me his son. R.T. France writes, our sin has put wrath between us and God, right? A mere ceasefire will never suffice. We're not meant to live under the cloud of an uneasy standoff with God. Instead, Jesus became incarnate, died, and rose so that believers might be adopted into God's own family and eat at the table with him in unbroken fellowship forever. Peace. Hear this most peaceful news. Turn your ears on. Hear this most peaceful news to you today. God is not against you. Let me tell this room, side of the room. God is not against you. If you are reconciled to him, he is for you and not against you, and he will never be against you. That's peace. So how marvelous, on top of all that, to know that no matter what your legalistic youth pastor taught you when you were little, or maybe your well-intended VBS teacher, good intentions, but misguided in her teaching, how marvelous that works do not give you peace with God. Tradition does not give you peace with God. Baptism does not give you peace with God. Church membership does not give you peace with God. It is only by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone that you can have peace with God. It's Jesus alone that reconciles us to him. Number two, peace within. Look with me at Philippians 4. Six and seven, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If the peace of God is guarding your heart and guarding my heart today. If the peace of God is guarding your mind and guarding my mind today, and believer, trust me, the peace of God is. He's good on his promise. If the peace of God is guarding your heart and your mind, you know what that means? Your heart and your mind are under attack. Why else would it need to be guarded? Did you know you had an enemy? His name's Satan. He's the father of lies, and he operates in our hearts and minds through things like guilt, shame, condemnation, fear. Guilt, shame, condemnation, and fear. I got a call not too long ago, and the guy on the other end of the phone, he says to me, hello, sir, this is urgent. Okay, I'm all ears. Yes, your, your computer has a virus. <gasps> oh no, right, you get these calls too. And so sometimes I stay on the phone and I just interact with these people. I'm not mean, 
but sometimes I'm so curious, where's this going? Right? So the guy starts telling me about this virus. I'm like, I had no idea. I'm so glad you've called. What do we do about it? Oh, everything's going to be okay, sir. Just get on your web browser and enter this IP address. And when you do, I'm going to have access to your computer and I'll take care of the virus. Thank you, sir. What would I ever do without you? So I'm, I'm kind of playing around on the phone. I'm, you know, sitting down and uh, I finally asked this question. Okay, I'm ready, sir. Um, just real quick. I've got both of my laptops out, mine and my wife's. Which one has the virus? Long silence. <laughs> and he said next, either one is fine. <laughs> it's okay, sir, any, many, miny, right? Which one of these computers is sick? Which one are you calling to fix, right? And eventually I just tell him kindly, sir, this is a scam. I know what you're doing. You're not stealing, me, stealing from me today. Satan wants the IP address of your heart and your mind. And you know what he's going to upload? Guilt, shame, condemnation, and fear. They're all lies. They all have nothing to do with the new creation that Christ has redeemed. That old stuff's gone. He wants to upload a scam into your heart and your mind. My friends, call them out on it, and in Jesus' name, shut it up. You can say, I don't have to listen to these lies. I'm a son of God. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I don't have any room in my heart or my mind for shame or condemnation or guilt or fear. Not today, not tomorrow, and never. Christ already took care of that on the cross. Your heart and your mind are guarded all day long, every day. The peace of Christ active in your life. This Christmas, talk to Jesus if you don't feel peace. Ask for his help. Ask him to restore something if something's feeling off. And by the way, just a gentle reminder, if you don't feel peace within, I caution you to remember the difference between the peace of God and self-help. You gotta be careful in this world of self-help messages I mean, I'd argue that none of us are all that great at helping ourselves. We need Jesus. We need the Spirit of God. There are many positive disciplines and practices that you can put into place that are peaceful. And I encourage you to practice things like positive thinking, breathing techniques. Get up in the morning 10 minutes earlier and stretch. Do something positive for yourself. Go on a walk. Read a book, eliminate the noise and the chaos around you, meditate, spend time in nature. My dad has told me his whole life, hi dad, he's here. My dad's told me his whole life, he's ex experienced and encountered the presence of God in a deer stand on a cold Saturday morning more than anywhere else in his life. Do these things, get out in nature. Do these, this is healthy. 
But friends, please don't look at these things as what produces the peace of Christ. These are peaceful things that God can use. God can meet you in these things. But Jesus is not just the end goal of peace. Jesus is the means and the end. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's what produces our peace. Number three, peace with others. I'm gonna say something very profound. It's an original quote. Time with family can be hard. (laughs) Who says amen to that? Time with family can be hard, especially family you see once a year, but you never resolve that conflict. We've all had our moments around the table with family and friends. I'm going to show you a moment in a video that demonstrates just how quickly things can spiral out of control. Check this out. Where's my potato chips? Oh, we're not having chips tonight, Munchkin. Sorry. I want my chips. Lita, Lizzie. love that moment when the kid ruins dinner and goes, why did she do that? I hate her. (laughs) You're going to see family and spend time with friends, and it can be hard, especially when some relationships are awkward, annoying, 
perhaps a little painful because of the past. I know we're new creations in Christ, but there's still egos. There's still opinions. There are still personalities. And there are still mannerisms that clash with others. But still, listen, you can have peace with others because you have peace with God and you have peace with them. Because of the other two, you can have the third. You have peace with God. Don't try to look for peace with these relationships until you first check in with God for that peace within. But then you can have peace with others. And then there's Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on who? Yeah, live at peace with everyone. You learned at some point as a child or maybe in your 40s that you are not in control of the actions and words and attitudes of others, correct? But you are in charge of the actions and words and attitudes of who? Moi, right? And so when someone else's actions, words, or attitudes ruffle your feathers, rub you the wrong way, make you mad, remember this Franciscan prayer, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred. Let me sow love. Yes, there might be relationships that you cannot have because it's unhealthy. But you don't have to sow hatred. You can still sow love. So peace with God, peace within your heart and your mind and peace with others. Yet some days still don't feel peaceful. I get it. On those days, I encourage you, friends, to look closer at the painting. Just look closer. Through the rain, through the strong wind, through that dark gray sky and the lightning strikes overhead, look in the crevice of the rocks, see the bird sitting peacefully on her nest, completely untouched from the stormy weather, safe from harm. That's peace, and it's ours. Amen. I invite the communion stewards to come forward and prepare. In a moment, all of you may exit your row if you choose to and come forward for communion. Kneeling rails are available up front if you choose to kneel today. We remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross which purchased our peace with God. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what was also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, friends, right now, today, this is what he's talking about in scripture. Right now, you proclaim the Lord's death until that next advent.
till he comes. So come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. As you're ready, eat and drink, and may this sacred moment be food for your spiritual journey. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.